Blog Talk Radio. Hello out there. My name is Sam Maxwell, and welcome to the Bedford and Sullivan Podcast, the podcast that keeps you, the audience, active listeners in the research process of the Brooklyn Dodgers TV series I am developing. Today, we once again go all the way up to Coogan's Bluff to talk a little baseball giants. And with, with that, we invite on Richie McCabe, who is the Giants Visitors Bat Boy for 1954 through 1955. Richie, thank you very much for joining me. You're quite welcome, Sam. So let's let's begin at the beginning. Tell me about your New York roots. Well, uh, I'm a, I grew up in the uh, in the Bronx, and uh, I went to parochial school. I was a good little boy, <laughs> and uh, it was believe it or not, it was pretty hard uh, at that time to uh, when I was in high school. That is, you know, to work the giant uh, uh, bat boy job and to keep up my studies. So unfortunately, uh, I had to drop out, and I did drop out. I was a little high school dropout, but I always promised myself when I was done, I was going to go back to school, and to make a long story short, I collected about 90 college credits. I didn't finish, but I didn't cheat myself anyway. Hmm. And, well, uh, so tell us of how you got that job. Okay. Well, first of all, um, uh, I used to I used to hang out outside the visiting team clubhouse outside the ballpark, and I seen this one lady, well, young girl. She always was driven by a chauffeur, chauffeured limousine to the ballpark, and uh, she used to always be picked up by the same limousine. And she looked like a nice girl, and she had a tremendous album of of autographs. The way it was all set up, it was beautiful. So I said, to her, could you teach me how to do that? She said, sure. She was a really nice girl. So she taught me, and uh, in a very short period of time, I became very good at collecting autographs, really, <laughs> really. So one day I was outside the ballpark in 1953, uh, with about maybe, I don't know, 20 games left or something like that, and this gentleman came out of the clubhouse uh, w- w- with the clubhouse man's uh, uniform on, T-shirt, uh, gray chino pants and black navy oxfords. And he said to me, called me over, he says, uh, could you do me a favor? And I was always poor, but I was a nice little kid. So he said, could you go down to the luncheonette down there at the, the foot of the uh, projects and get me a basin, bacon and egg sandwich? I said, of course. So I went down, and uh, he gave me um, something, you know, three $2. And at the time, I think it was like 35 cents. So I came back with it. And uh, uh, I went to give him the change. He said, no, no, keep that. I said, no, no, that's all right. I don't mind helping you. So the reason I was there with my little autograph book is I wanted to get, I think, um, Solly Hemus of the St. Louis Cardinals, and it gave me the whole St. Louis team, coaches and everything. So I'm standing there. So uh, this gentleman comes out of the clubhouse, and he says, uh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> getting ahead of myself. So uh, I did him the favor. And I um, said, oh, no, that's all right. I don't need the, the tip. Uh, I'm glad to help you. So, uh, like my wife said, you know why you got that job? Because you showed you were a nice kid. I said, well, whatever it was. So uh, <clears throat> I'm going about my business of collecting autographs. And uh, he came out a second time, about maybe maybe 10 days later. And he said, would you do me that same favor that you did? I said, oh, you mean to buy that um and bacon and egg sandwich? Yeah. And I think it was big money at that time. It was like 35 cents. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I, I did it. 
And I came back, and he said, I know you don't want no tips. I said, no, no, I don't need it. I'm glad to help you. He said, where do you live, kid? I says, well, do you know where Fordham University is and the Rose Hill campus uh, in the Bronx? He said, uh, yeah, I do. I said, I live in that general neighborhood right there. So I said, hmm, would you like to work for the Giants? So naturally, I said to myself, I, I, this, you know, being a bad boy is up in the ionosphere somewhere. I never thought of that. But I thought that he maybe wanted to give me a job selling peanuts. And me being a little wise uh, Bronx kid, I said, look, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to uh, sell many peanuts, but boy, am I going to see a lot of baseball. So indeed, I said yes. So he said, could you be down here 5.30 tomorrow morning? Uh, that's when the, the, uh, the Cincinnati Reds are going to be coming up here from Philadelphia, and the, their equipment, their trunks and all will be coming up uh, and what have you. I said, yeah, sure. So I go home to my poor little uh, pessimistic little father, <laughs> and I told him, ah, that guy's pulling your leg, Rich. Forget about it. <laughs> I said, no, 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 no. I don't, I don't believe that, Dad. So my mother always believed in me. So she said, Richie, do you believe the man told you the truth? I said, yeah. Okay, you go down there. Obstacle one. Now obstacle two. Years ago, they used to have those Irish cops. They were tough guys, boy. Crude and tough, a lot of them. So I walked down. I walked up to the club, clubhouse door, and he said, and there's an Irish cop there. He said, what are you doing here, especially at this time in the morning? I said, well, uh, you know, uh, uh, I was told by Mr. Logan to uh, come down here. So he said, Mr. Logan, don't have kids your age anyway coming down here, you little brat, you. I said, well, well, and I was the type of kid, I didn't get scared very easy, you know. So I said, well, he told me to come here. So he says to me in a very gruff way, if I get Mr. Logan out here and he thinks you're full of it, if you know what I mean, I said, yeah. He said, you see the shoe? You know where the sun don't shine? I said, well, wait a minute. I said, I'm telling the truth. Okay. He goes, he gets Mr. Logan out. Mr. Logan says, oh, there he is. He takes me in the clubhouse. Oh, wow. I see pictures of all the old giants all, all over the walls. And that's what I forgot about him. I'm looking at the pictures. <laughs> <laughs> so at that point, I wasn't even sure what, what he was all about. So then, of course, he in introduced himself. My name is Ed Logan, and I'm the clubhouse custodian for the giants. Uh, why don't you have a seat there? He said the, the, the Reds' equipment didn't get up here yet. I says, okay. So I sat there, and uh, next thing you know, he goes, uh, uh, still not here yet. I said, okay. So I looked down about three steps down, and that's the clubhouse, you know, the locker room, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And I said, whose number do I see? Number 24, all his stuff all lined up nice. So I said, I got to touch that uniform. So I walked down, and I said, oh, my God, this is Willie Mays' uniform. Oh, my God. Then I picked up his glove. I said, it was basket catches. Then I said, Richie, you weren't invited down here. You better go up there and keep your place. So I went up and I sat down. No sooner than I sat down, he said, okay, Richie, the Cincinnati's equipment is here. Let's go. So he takes me into this uh, the club room, clubhouse, so to speak. And he goes, uh, say hello to Peter. Uh, he's uh, <clears throat> he's going to be the visiting team clubhouse uh, manager. You see, Peter is the assistant uh, to the Yankees. Uh, uh, and uh, what he does is when the Yankees are on the road, he works the giant visitors. So he'll be your boss, okay? I said, yeah, fine. 
So I said, oh, hi, Mr. Pete. Oh, what a grouchy guy. <laughs> he had a frock of black curly hair, and he goes, mmm. I said, oh, boy, this guy got some personality. But then again, I could always get along with people. So I said, um, okay, so now the, the trucker is bringing in the Cincinnati Reds uh, equipment and big trunks that said Cincinnati Reds Baseball Club. So I said, oh, gee, what is this all about? It's nothing to do with peanuts. You know, <laughs> what the hell am I doing there? I can't sell no peanuts even in here. So I said, Mr. Pete, could you answer a question for me? Yeah. Well, I said, uh, uh, what is my job going to be? So he looks at me with mock aggravation, and he goes, you're going to be a bad boy. Is that all right with you? What? <laughs> I mean, it's like saying, oh, tomorrow you're going to be a president of the United States. You're not supposed to get shook up over that. I said, oh, well, well, well you, never mind. Come on. We've got to get moving. We've got equipment to put around here. I said, oh, boy, here we go. So he says, okay, here's, here's, in each one of these trunks, there's a, a, a tray, and that each tray belongs to a player, and you'll see the number on the front. So the first guy I get is Ted Klozuski. So he says, you know who he is. I said, yeah. He, said, he goes in the first position downstairs. So we laid up all the stuff around downstairs. Then upstairs is where, like, the rookies are, okay? So anyway, <clears throat> pretty much uh, that's the story I was there for. <laughs> That part of 1953, all of 54, uh, we won the World Series, and in 1955. And then, like a clown, I joined the military. I should have stayed there. But then again, you know, they, they were going to California. I, but I could have gone with them, you know. Mm -hmm. But on a bat boy's salary, I don't know if you could do that. So I... Um, I bowed out, but I thanked him so much for giving me the break. I said, what a lovely break that is to give to a kid like me, you know, and thank you so much. And, you know, I never forgot him till the day he died. I never. He retired as a clubhouse man in San Francisco in 1979. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, I, yeah, I think it was, and he retired about, no, he died about, I think maybe eight years later. But I, I never forgot him on his birthday or is um, to celebrate one of the um, the holidays. Never forgot him. And he always said to me, you're one of my favorite little bad boys. You never forgot me, huh? I said, no. <laughs> I said, no, not at all. I said, because you were such a an impressive person to me uh, as a young little kid. He said, well, you did a good job. And uh, the only thing I didn't like about you, I said, oh, boy, here we go. He said, and it's not bad. You never signed the payroll. He said, I know you love this job, and we love you, but sign the damn payroll. I said, okay, okay. <laughs> but I tell you, it took about six, uh, uh, um, six times before I got it together and signed the payroll, because I didn't even think about that when I came right. in at 4 o'clock. And uh, I had a great, great experience there being, uh, being a visitor in Bat Boy, which, of course, means uh, I was a Bat Boy for all the visitors. Right. Uh, all the visitors came in, and I thought I had the best job. You know why? Oh, the Giants. I used to go in the clubhouse and kid around with them. Sometimes I'd play catch with them and what have you. But I also had my my opportunity to be with all the visitors. And, boy, that was wonderful. That was a wonderful, uh, I mean, some of the great players. Some people ask me, 
well, now, I wouldn't say it then, but some of the great players that I really cared about. And one guy stands out in my mind, a poor guy just passed away, Stan Musial. Mm. He was one of the, the biggest gentlemen I ever met in my life. I thought he was going to come up. I just had this feeling that when we were talking about all those players coming through from all over the country, Stan Musial, Stan the man, as, as Brooklyn dubbed him, uh, yeah, he would obviously come up. Oh, he was wonderful. What's I'm your? Not, I'm sure you have many, many stories regarding Stan Musial. What's the, oh. the the first one that jumps to your head? Well, okay, uh, a bunch of youngsters. They asked Stan for uh, an autograph, and he said, "I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm too busy now, and uh, we got to try to win this ball game today. So I'll tell you what: if you meet me directly outside the ballpark, underneath the, the lamp that's there, after the game, the whole 25 of you." I'll sign an autograph for them. I mean, this is the type of guy he was, okay? Then he comes to me and he says, um, I had two nicknames. One was Slats, because the, they called me Slats because they named me after Marty Marion, the great Cardinal shortstop. <laughs> so I said, okay. Then Mr. Logan used to call me Muscles because I was 138 pounds, and that was probably about 50 pounds of fishing sinkers in my back pocket. <laughs> so... Now, how old were you again? Sixteen. Okay. Yeah. So then Stan says, what are you going to do tonight besides go up in the Bronx there, stand on a corner, and sing rock and roll songs? I said, no, I think that's about the size of it. So he said, do me a favor. Come outside and hang out with me. Because I, got to, I promised these youngsters to sign autographs. I said, yeah, sure. So it was very, very dark there. You know, uh, I know you might, whoever, might be very young, and you don't remember that, but... It was right on ran right, the Harlem River ran right uh, along the uh, the side of the polo grounds, the center field, uh, you know, uh, fence. Mm -hmm. But anyway, uh, and uh, we went out there, and uh, some of the Cardinals got a cab. I don't know how the hell we got it. It was very hard to get a cab there. And they go, "Come on, Stash, you know, Stash for Stan." That's what they used to call him, Stash. Uh, he said, "No, I tell you what, I want to take care of these children, and then." Um, I'll see you down at the, the restaurant, uh, you know, at the hotel. So they all took off, and he signed all the autographs. He stayed there till every kid got an autograph. I said, that was so impressive to me. Wow, was that impressive. And uh, he said, oh, thanks so much for, for uh, uh, you know, staying with me and what have you. Mm -hmm. I said, uh, you want to come down to Manhattan? You can have dinner with us? I said, no, I... I, I want to go home and sing my rock and roll songs on the corner. <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you, he was such a good guy. You know, 1953, you know, I wouldn't say all of them, maybe a couple of players, you know, who are making it. They didn't make any money in those days. Mm -hmm. He used to give me $25 every time from himself the Cardinals came in. Imagine what that was in 1953. Man, they came, they were there 22 times, which I, I wish I could devise that in my head how many series that was, but they yeah. certainly came in more than the, uh, than teams rotate now. Yeah. See, he was a successful man. A lot of people liked him, and they helped him, I'm sure. You know, he opened up uh, uh, a restaurant in St. Louis, and, and uh, so he had another income coming in, but, hey, it's still very nice of him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And speaking of which, let's, uh, I do want to ask you about the Dodgers, but before that, who, you know, I think the time has passed that you, uh, it's okay for you to admit this. Who was your least favorite visiting player? Least favorite?
favorite? Yeah, in terms of uh, contrasting Stan's, how nice Stan was, who was the oh. one who, who really gave you some issues? Oh, right. Okay. Uh, there was a, uh, a coach on the Cincinnati Reds named Dick Bartell, Jody Dick. He <laughs> used to play for the Giants years ago. What a demanding pain this guy was. And I did my job. I hustled like mad. He's always complaining. There's not enough towels on the bench. Uh, you're going to get more ice for the, for, the, for the water bucket. I said, my God, is this guy a pain. So I went and asked Mr. Logan, who he, he was an assistant clubhouse man, to his father at the time. And he said, oh, that guy. Oh, God. He said, that guy's the, the worst. And uh, I said, yeah, he is. So uh, he was number one I couldn't stand. Uh, number two, hmm. see, I like most of the guys, you know. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, you know, people say, oh, he's not a nice guy. He's a human being, just like you are, okay, or I am. They have their problems. Mm -hmm. They miss their families. I mean, uh, it, it's you've you got to understand this. They're not God. They're not, uh, you know, uh, made of steel. And uh, like I said, but most of them, most of them uh, would pretty much be businesslike, but they'd be friendly with you. But some guys used to be very friendly with you. They'd mm -hmm. sit on the bench with you with their arm around you, how's school doing, how's this doing, how's that going. And naturally, people who treat you that way, you have more feelings for. Mm -hmm. But there was a couple that I liked Roy Campanella very much, very much. Well, that's a good transition. Let's talk about the Dodgers coming in there 22 times a year. Uh, You've got to say that very quiet, though. Of course. God, I would have got fired if I ever <laughs> spoke my real. <laughs> the Dodgers were such a nice group of guys. I'm telling you, everyone was nicer than the other. And, uh, and of course, they were very good. And, of course, they were the big enemy of the Giants. So, <laughs> I mean, Gil Hodges was wonderful. Duke was wonderful. Junior Gilliam was nice. And, of course, Roy and Carl Erskine. Okay, those guys, are, but the whole team was good. They always were friendly and what have you. And uh, it wasn't a shame that they could play like hell. <laughs> yeah. But I remember, remember, the, remember the clubhouse man, Johnny Schmidt. He was a big, chubby guy, but a big, big personality, personal man. Nice personality, yeah. And he said to me, he says, Slatsy, you don't, do you want to work the bats today? That means, you know, on the field. I said, if I can take a day off, I'll take it. So at the time, it was Charlie DiGiovanni, he was a Dodger bat boy, who uh, was a really nice guy. So he comes in the club, I, says, I said, Charlie, can I take a day off? He said, yeah, I'll work the bats today. So with that, John says to me, the clubhouse man, you live up in the Bronx? I said, yeah. He said, you ever hear of Sutter's Bakery? I said, oh, yeah, of course, from Alexander. Said, of course, I never went in there because I didn't have the money. He said, well, today you'll have the money. He says, do me a favor. I, I think it was, whose birthday was it? I don't know. I forget. But he said, we want to get a whole bunch of brownies and, uh, you know, have them, cut them up nice. And, um, you know, you'll have the time to get up there and get back. Uh, he said, I already called the, the owner. And he said, because he knows me for years. So I went up there and uh, I got this big, big platter of uh, brownies. And cut them all up nice. And then he made the mistake of saying to another baker, you see this kid here? 
here's a bat boy uh, for the uh, for the, the Giants visitors. Now I got forty people lined up that want to talk to me. <laughs> I got to get out of here. I got all these all these brownies. So I said, well, that's my story basically. But I really have to go, or else I would talk to you. So anyway, <clears throat> I brought the brownies down here, and he gave me uh, one of them, and. Uh, I think they were going to Pittsburgh after that, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, he used to like that. John was a, he was a very chubby guy. He used to like to sit on the edge of one of the, the trunks where they have equipment, mm-hmm. and he'd fall asleep. Because <laughs> that's what a, a clubhouse guy do, does, you know, uh, when the game is in motion, you know. And uh, it was in Pittsburgh, and he was sitting on uh, one of the trunks, and this was like two, three weeks later. And uh, he just killed over and died. Oh, man. Oh, and what a nice guy he was. He was so nice. I swear to good God. I uh, I thought the world of him. And then, of course, I started to think about how I feel, felt about the Dodgers. And I said, wow, what a nice what a nice group of guys. Yeah, they're all good. And little Reese Peewee. He was cute. He used to come in with his little hat on with the front of the, the brim of the fedora up. He looked like one of those little bebop guys. <laughs> so I'd say, hey, no, everything in those days was not hi, Pee-wee, or hi, Charlie. Everything was Mister. And right. come in the club, I'd say, hey, Mister Reese, how are you? He said, try this hat on. I think you could look good in it. <laughs> and look how he put a soup bowl on my head. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Richie, we, we actually have a phone call. Uh, somebody wants to chime on in. Uh, give him one second. Hello, you're on the Bedford and Sullivan podcast. Gentlemen, how are you tonight? Richie the is Kid. This, is this Steve? Gary Mintz from the uh, New York Giants. Oh, Gary. Uh, how are you guys doing? Welcome. Gary, thank you very much for joining us. Gary, uh, as he just said, is head of the New York uh, New York Giants Preservation Society, and uh, they, they still keep the memory alive of the New York baseball Giants. Guys, unfortunately, missed a great meeting the other night. We had uh, Peter McGowan, who was just fabulous, and uh, a guy named uh, Robert Garrett, who... Uh, Spoke uh, on behalf of Horace Stoneham and him making uh, the Hall of Fame. It was, it was really nice. Excellent time. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I, I had to miss it. Uh, just it, something came up. But uh, thank, thank you so much for calling, Gary. And No uh, problem. Richie, how are you? Well, uh, something came up with you because you didn't call me and tell me about it. <laughs> Nothing came by. What do you, we'll, we'll talk, Richie. Richie, yeah, okay. uh, I, I I think the audience would love to hear your story about uh, uh, meeting uh, Ed Logan Jr. this past summer up in Cooperstown. How after about so many years? About, how about you me talking about meeting your father? I don't I don't know anybody be interested in my father, but that's that's very Why nice. Of you. <laughs> well, my father uh, was yeah, a we... great guy, but uh, you know, nobody uh, you know your ordinary Joe is just a fantastic man. Here on the Bedford and Sullivan podcast, you, we're, we're all about storytelling. So, uh, Richie, please, go ahead. Story. Embellish me, Rich. Embellish you. No, well, I said I, embellish I, me. Oh, embellish you. Well, for the audience, well, me and Gary are pretty good friends. We keep in touch with one another, uh, you know, even outside of the meetings. I said, but one day um, I was doing a show on Long Island in the library, and I put all the memorabilia and hung it all up. And people like to touch that and feel, wow, game used stuff, wow. And uh, after it was over, I was packing up the stuff, and this gentleman walked up and he said, boy, what a nice show. 
Make a long story short, that was Gary's dad, okay, <laughs> Lewis. And um, uh, we, we stayed with one another, but it was late. I think Lewis had to go home. I said, well, here's my number. And I generally didn't give that out because I'm a very friendly guy, but you can't deal with a thousand people calling you, you know? So, uh, but I did with, with uh, uh, Gary's father. And we had a nice nice friendship. We really did. He was a lovely guy and a tremendous Giants fan. He was the greatest. You know, unfortunately, he didn't get to, you know, I grew up rooting for the San Francisco Giants. I knew nothing of the New York Giants. I was too young. And, uh, you know, I wanted to be like my dad. So followed them when he followed them to San Francisco. And I always said the worst thing he ever did to me was make me a Giant fan because, uh, you know, I wanted to be like him. Uh, unfortunately, he did not get to see these two World Series, which now I could say it was the greatest thing he ever did for me was making me a, a fan of this Giants because the worth was well, the weight was well worth it. Just tremendous. Isn't that nice? Yeah, it's, it's pretty remarkable. Uh, you know, the same thing happened to the uh, the the Red Sox where they won two two within the matter of uh, two or three years. Yeah. Um, and Oh, I, I just had it in my head. What? Uh, oh, uh, yeah, I, I keep mentioning this, Gary, but it seems as if so many more Giants fans stuck with the team, like your father, uh, than any than any Dodger fan did. It, it, you know, I think that was the whole Brooklyn thing, that it seems as if they were just more offended by the by the team league. To- totally agree, yeah, but, Sam. You, you, know, you know what it also Sam, is? Oh, no, go ahead, Richie. You know, uh, how I see it, okay, is that... The ownership moved. The team didn't move. So mm. that's why I always remained the giant fan. And, and, and Gary and Stevie and people like that, they always remember, remained a giant fan. I, I think me, the Dodgers were the was, real, real fans. The Dodgers were so in, interwoven into the community. Yes. Um, and like Sam, I, I think if the Dodgers happened to win this year, which, of course, I hope they don't, uh, mm. they would never bring the trophy back to Brooklyn because they'd probably be right. stoned there. Whereas, yeah. <laughs> you know, the Giants, when the San Francisco comes back, they're, like, welcome as basically conquering heroes, and there's still a fan base. And I, I think a lot has to do with, uh, I think, you know, when they moved, Willie Mays was just starting out, you know, a few years into his career. Yeah. Every fan loved him. I think a lot of them just wanted to follow him and be, you know, a fan of the team he was on. So they were willing to basically travel over the air 3,000 miles to listen to games and recreations and, and all of that stuff. That, that's my opinion. I mean, my father yeah. my father just followed them, never spoke about another team. You see that? Real Giants fan, died in the wool. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> you know, I, I, and, and what you're mentioning about Willie Mays, uh, especially because he took some years off uh, after 51, uh, so he really was just starting. You know, it was only it, when they left, it was only his fifth or sixth year. Uh, right. You know, for a, in a 20-year career, and with the Dodgers, you know, Sandy Koufax wasn't yet oh. Sandy Koufax. Um, everybody, everybody else was aging. Even in 1955, that was seen as their, you know, they were coming to their last hurrah. They, they, they only had so many more chances to be the boys of summer. Two things about Holy Sandy. Friend. I forgot to mention Sandy. He was a very nice-looking man. He could have been a movie actor. Okay. But a nice, friendly, decent guy. I always liked him, Sandy. I forgot to mention him. But um, <laughs> the Dodgers had a little coach called Jake Pitler, okay? And he used to, uh, you know, warm the pitchers up in, in the bullpen. So 
I remember Sandy, he was wild as hell at that time. And I remember him saying to Jake Pittler, uh, Jake, I'm going to tow a little bit. He said, no, sir, I got enough shin balls from you, man. I got black and blue. You want to see my, my shins? <laughs> I'm trying to dig the ball out of the dirt. <laughs> but he, Jake was a really nice man. He comes from Rochester, New York, and he died about maybe, gee, I don't remember, but not too long ago. But he was a really, really nice guy. And then Sandy, of course, um, the last day I was going to see him, I walked up and I put my arms around him. I said, Mr. Koufax, God bless you and what have you. I, I think the world deal. And he took out a dollar. Took out a dollar and gave me it as a tip. Now you say, oh, my God. Hey, he was only making $5,000 a year at the time. Mm -hmm. That was a big tip. So I never forget that. And then, boy, when he went out to uh, L.A., what a pitcher he turned into. Oh, yeah. He was he was just fantastic. He was. So, yeah, Sam, could I, I bring up on one line. more thing, Sam? Yeah, no, I, I want to keep you on the line, but I wanted oh. to ask I wanted to ask Richie about uh, 1954 and, and some stories from the championship year. Well, uh, I remember 1954 doing my work and sitting on the bench, and um, Bobby Avila who was the second baseman for Cleveland. Um, he liked the kid around, so he sat down. Uh, he sat down next to me, and uh, he said, "So you think these guys are better than us? Do you know how many games we won?" I said, "Yeah." <laughs> he said, "Oh, you're not impressed, are you?" I said, "No." So you really believe these guys can beat us? I said, "Yes, I do." And lo and behold, that's what happened. Yep. <laughs> and and how many games? Was that a four-game sweep? Yeah, wiped them right out. I was surprised. I mean, man, they had they had some team at that time. I mean, really. Remember Al Rosen, the Giants' ex-GM? He was the third baseman. They had George Strickland at shortstop. They had uh, Bobby Avila. They had uh, Vic Wirtz, of course, hitting that ball at Willie Court. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, they had people like that. They were terrific players. It was, I, I made myself look like a hero predicting the and Giants would wipe them out. And that's a catch that's only capable, uh, that, that was only capable in the polo ground. Oh, yeah, that's right. I mean, you, you could get killed running into that wall. But Mays, and that's the way he did. You know, he he heard the crack of the bat, and he, he had that ability, you know, to go to a certain part of the outfield, and a ball would be there. It, it, that, that great uh, uh, movie, Ken Burns' Baseball, talks about, I forget who they were interviewing, uh, but they said once you saw Willie Mays put his hand into his glove, he had it the whole way. Yeah, he started patting his glove with, with his with his uh, right hand. He started patting his, the pocket of his glove, saying, "I got this in, in tow," and that's that's true. That's exactly what he did. Uh, I want to wrap up with you, Rich, but uh, uh, Gary, um, as long as I have you on here, let's uh, talk a little bit about the Preservation Society and how it got the uh, got started. It's, well, we, you know, we were some of us were part of another group, and uh, we were not liking exactly what was going on. So we decided to uh, reform our group, and uh, we contacted the San Francisco Giants, and we had uh, a conversation, and they uh, about having like a special night at AT&T Park, which was last uh, uh, June twenty fifth uh, or twenty sixth of twenty twelve. They thought it was a great idea, and they asked us, you know, what was the name of our group, and I came up with uh, 
the New York Giants Preservation Society, uh, along with Steve Rothschild, who I know was your previous guest. And uh, we uh, we got some members from the New York Giants Historical Society, who Stuart Leeds was in charge of, and uh, he, uh, he said that, you know, we should uh, speak to some of his people, which we did. And we started websites and uh, a Yahoo group, Facebook. We started, like I said, our own website. And we... Uh, our home base is Bergino's Baseball Clubhouse, uh, who's owned by Jay Goldberg, who does a fabulous job. He allows us to use his facility. We've had uh, Joshua Prager there. Uh, Peter McGowan was there on uh, on Thursday. Uh, just uh, uh, Dr. Lawrence Hogan was there, who's fabulous also, who did a whole thing on Clubhouse Men. And, uh, you know, we're growing, and... We're having a great time trying to keep the Giants' memory alive. We are not going to let it uh, die. It's important well, appreciate that appreciate tradition you, uh, stays that going. on. Well, we're trying our hardest, and, and Sam, I can't appreciate, I can't thank you enough for uh, giving us a little, uh, you know, spot. Oh yeah, absolutely. Obviously, you know, my angle is from your rivals, but at the same time, you got to get the full picture. And and uh, it, I'm I'm fascinated, especially as a Mets fan. And being so caught up with the Dodgers, uh, I, as a Mets fan, I, I want them even to acknowledge the Giants a little bit more than they do in terms of uh, their, their nostalgic material around. Uh, because I, I think that a, a road New York Giants uh, Willie Mays jersey would sell tons at, at City Field. And, and they have plenty of, of Jackie Robinson uh, stuff and Brooklyn stuff, so... I, yeah, I think the problem with the Mets is they embrace the Dodgers so much and they got so much grief from their fans that to acknowledge right. anything else now, I, I, don't, I don't think it's going to happen. That's my opinion. I, yeah, I hear you. I mean, you look at Milwaukee, uh, uh, the Brewers have Braves hats there. Uh, obviously, you know, when you have two teams that that are part of your legacy, it's a different story, but I still think that uh, – um, you know, I still think that it, 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 giant stuff. You see it uh, around. You see people wearing some stuff around the place, and uh, I, I even heard uh, a father or or a grandfather telling his son about how the Giants used to play in New York. There's there's people out there that that don't even know that these two teams used to exist as a New York base as New York baseball. Yeah, and if you know, if anybody ever wants to contact us. Feel free. You know, we have, like I said, the New York Giants Preservation Society website. They can look us up. Be happy to come to one of our meetings, and I think they'd have a wonderful time. And that's nygiantspreservationsociety.com? That's correct. New York, NY, uh, actually, it's spelled out, New York Giants Preservation Society.com. And you can well, see us on Facebook. We, uh, i got, I got to be honest with you, Sam. You're giving us a good material here. We'll be putting this podcast on our site for other viewers to listen to. And they'll hear great stories. Well, thank that you very much. Telling. I appreciate that as well. And Gary, thank you very much for calling. You guys have a great night, Richie. The kid, stay well. We'll get better next year. I promise. Okay. Take care. Go again. Giants. Go bye Giants. Bye bye. <laughs> well, Richie, we're almost up. Uh, but I, what I, I didn't mention was Jackie Robinson. Yes. Jackie, in my opinion, was a very nice man. Not only a great ball player but a nice human being. And, uh, of course, I was privy to hearing some of the lousy things people used to say to him, and I, I, I felt heartbroken over it. I thought it was so lousy, you know, the things they said. I, I can't repeat them. Mm -hmm. But uh, I just want to let you know that Jack was a 
you know, and was just a wonderful guy. Well, what's uh, what's the first thing in terms of a, a story that uh, pops into your head about Jackie, other than obviously the stuff that you can't mention? Well, okay. The one thing I I, uh, I found out is uh, uh, Joe Carrieri used to be the Yankee bat boy for about seven years, and one night, his first night as a bat boy, he being an Italian kid, his mother made him a pepper and eggs hero, and he's sitting in um, uh, in a in the clubhouse and. And actually, he's scared. There's like 40,000 people in the stands. It's his first night. I remember my first night. Oh, man. I was nervous as hell. So he, uh, he Jackie Robinson walked over to me and said, uh, you look like you were a little nervous. And he said, uh, yeah, I am. He said, first of all, how did you get that nice sandwich? He said, and what are you eating it without a Coke? So Jackie goes over, pops a Coke out, and brings it over to Joey. And then he said to him, he said, uh, just remember, everybody was new once, so don't worry about it. And I th- think he said that he's not going to be in the lineup tonight. This was the Mayor Trophy game where the Yanks played the Dodgers, you know, mm-hmm. one time a year. And uh, he said, don't worry, I'll be there for you to back you up and pick you up if you falter. He never forgot that. He never forgot that. And then he asked me, you know, later he said, how did you? How did you do when you met Jackie Ridge? I said, I, I think he was wonderful. You know, uh, he'd come in a clubhouse and I'd say, uh, hi, Mr. Robinson. And he'd take my cap off and scratch my head and said, you've been a good boy. So I'm trying like hell. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was quite fond of him. I was. I was. And I had privy to, to a situation where I met his wife, too. What a nice woman. My God. So I, I'm glad I didn't... Um, I'm glad Gary brought it up about Robinson, but because I wanted to make mention of him being oh, tonight. Perfect. All right. Thank you very much. And I guess uh, the last thing I'd like to ask you about is 1955, and uh, you know the Dodgers obviously won the World Series that year. Uh, is there any uh, particular story that pops into your head uh, when when thinking about 1955 and uh, the Giants, uh, the Giants taking on the Dodgers throughout the year? Well, to tell you the truth, I never thought it was going to happen because we were such a, a tough baseball team, you know, uh, wiping out in the Indians four straight the year before. I never thought it would, in a million years that it would happen. And uh, <laughs> unfortunately, it did uh, for, for us Giant fans. But uh, it was interesting. On the field, you know, this may, this may sound a little crazy, but... As opposed to a normal game, when you're on the field, especially the World Series, you feel like a, an electricity in the air. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything is charged up. You got writers from all over, uh, all over the world, and uh, talking to you and uh, expressing their feelings about the Giants and why they, after being so good, why they couldn't beat the Dodgers. Well, I didn't have an answer for that. So, but. Uh, uh, God bless them, you know, they, they, they played well, and, you know, I just wish the Giants would have, uh, uh, you know, played uh, that well and won. But, uh, hey, we can't win all the time. That's the name of the game. That's the name of the game. Yeah. That, is, that is for sure. Richie. Let me say this to you. Yes. Look, let's take this year. The Giants were the world champions. Now they're going out 
in last place. Would you ever think something like that would happen? No. They put they basically put the same team together, but that's the thing. That's that's the way of the game. Uh, 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 somebody like Marco Scudero, who was such a huge uh, help last year, he you know he was injured this year. Yeah. The guy the guy didn't have as good of a year as well. Yeah, I might say this that uh, with the society, uh, uh, Gary knows what I'm going to say. With the society, the Giants invited us to the hotels here when they bought the trophies. For the two years, they invited us because they bought the trophy here to, for the New York fans, and we had a great old time. Willie came there, and the giant staff uh, were there. Uh, uh, Peter McGowan uh, and uh, the wonderful Larry Bear—he's a real good guy. The giant CEO now, and <laughs> he said to me, "He said, you know, I, I, I introduced myself to him, and I said, I don't know if you remember, I met you last year." Uh, Mr. Barry said, Richie, I see your name on my desk, in my on my home. He said, you're always in my in my uh, thoughts. I said, as long as you don't see my... Oh, no, I can't say that. Uh, anyway, it was very funny. And he cracked up, too. But he's a wonderful guy, and he's a good leader for the Giants, I believe, personally. I mean, he's not a new... He's not a Johnny lately, you know, just arrived. He's a good baseball man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Richie, we have so much else to talk about, but unfortunately we have to go, and I certainly invite you to come on to the, the show another time. Sure, why not? Perfect. Why not? Thank you very, very much, Richie. We'll talk soon. You're welcome, I'm sure. That's okay, our guys. show, everybody. Thank, Thank you very, very much for joining us. Have a good one.